Welcome to another episode of Disrupt. I'm Bailey Bryant with Home Healthcare News. In this episode, we're diving, or shall I say driving, into ride hailing as it relates to home-based care. Specifically, we sat down with Dan Trigup, who's the head of Uber Health. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsor, HomeCare Homebase. Their powerful cloud-based home health software streamlines virtually every aspect of your business. Spend less time on paperwork and more time delivering quality care to the patients who need you. Visit hchb.com to learn more. Now back to Trigub and his work at Uber. Part of his job includes developing partnerships with home-based care providers nationwide. It's an industry that Trigub knows well. In fact, his in-laws own one of the largest privately owned home care agencies in the Bay Area. During our conversation, he doubled down on the importance of home care in the healthcare continuum and offered insights into Uber's current and future home care partnerships. On top of that, he addressed naysayers who say the ride-hailing company is just spinning its wheels with seniors and shared his bold predictions for what Uber Health will roll out in the years to come. Dan, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Very well. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. We appreciate it so much. Let's just dive right in. I want to start by talking about your background because I think a lot of people in this space would be surprised to know that this is an industry you're very familiar with. It's not your first foray into home care or combining it with rideshare for that matter. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Yes, I'm certainly happy to do so. And certainly, you know, home care is an area that's very passionate about, has a place in my heart. I think just in general, elder care is something that I, I've had a lot of experience in work in and, and, and something that I am very, very passionate about. A little bit about my background. I'm first-generation American. My entire family immigrated here to the U.S. from the former Soviet Union. My grandmother came here, and she was in her 90s, very ambulatory. Luckily, she was in good health for the most part. And I was certainly a caretaker for her along with my, with my father. And she lived in New York City by herself when she came to the U.S. And she would never, ever leave her apartment until maybe about once a week or so when my father and I would come visit her from New Jersey to her apartment in New York. So I always had that experience of being a caretaker, going to visit her and really caring for her as she aged and before she passed away. And I always kind of saw how transportation, uh, how mobility was so important to her well-being, her independence, and, and the power that transportation could have in that equation. I should also note my family, my, it's actually my wife's family, who I've known for over 15 years now, my father-in-law, you know, he is a father to me. He has been in the home care business for over 15 years now here in the Bay Area. So he started a home care business with some business partners and built a very large home care business, uh, taking care of our elderly population here in the Bay Area, primarily non-medical home care. And I always saw that industry from, from afar. Uh, I was very entrenched and, and got to learn a lot about it through his experiences. And because of that experience, I actually started my own business, startup in the senior care space, in the elder care space, because of those experiences I had working and, or I should say, seeing how his business worked. So. You know, definitely when I saw that opportunity around how transportation is so critical to our aging population, I had the opportunity to join a company called Lyft about three years ago to really help grow and scale their healthcare operations with a focus 
in elder care. And then now I, I, I since then have come here to Uber, where I lead Uber Health and I've been at Uber now for uh, just about seven months. Awesome. I believe you joined Uber in 2018. You were kind of instrumental in helping Uber Health launch and get off the ground. Since then, how has that division of the business changed? Whether that's in terms of growth, focus, strategy, going public, or anything else. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, one thing to maybe correct what you just said, I think this team has been very instrumental to the growth and certainly uh, the scaling and the success that we've had in the the short period of time. And we have an amazing team of people here, people who come from healthcare that we've grown and scaled in in just uh, seven short months that I'm very proud about. And, you know, I'm very honored and excited to help lead this team around our efforts in healthcare. You know, our mission at Uber, what drives this company from our CEO, Dara, all the way down to our team, is to ignite opportunity by setting the world in motion. That is what drives this company. And I think, you know, even three years ago when I first started at the intersection of rideshare and healthcare, I think the question was, is what the heck is a rideshare company, a technology company doing in healthcare? You're just taking a millennial to a bar on a Friday night, uh, and that's what you're used for. But that couldn't be further from the truth. And and what Uber, what Uber Health can do for our aging, low-income, at-risk population is tremendous. Care begins with getting to the care. Uh, When we look at social determinants of health, and now health plans looking to do everything from meal delivery to grocery delivery to even paying for somebody to go to church or to a social activity, transportation is at the core of all of that. So to answer your question too, you know, what's really changed and you know, what's unique about, about Uber Health, we really approach this by taking a step back and saying, what does a technology company, you know, today a $70 billion you know, public technology company, what do we need to do to be able to build a healthcare organization within this large technology company? And that really came down to making sure we built it right from day one, that we built it with HIPAA compliance in mind, with the needs of our healthcare organizations and our partners in mind, everything from how we treat and store data to how our partners access our systems. We had to make sure it was not only compliant, but really met the needs of our partners. And you know, I, I think we've done a lot of that over the last, you know, Uber Health has now officially been live for over a year. It's been in development for over two years. And it's a really exciting time for us to continue to grow and scale our business. Yeah. You mentioned your partners in the healthcare space. I know you've said in the past that you have more than a thousand healthcare partners. And I was wondering how many of those are home-based care providers and how those home-based care providers fit into the equation. Yeah. So we, you know, we don't share specifics of, of partners or, or, or we don't break down our revenue by any certain segment. What I can share is before Uber Health launched, we had a few hundred beta partners that we worked with to really ensure that we were building the product for their needs and for these uses. Home care partners were part of that beta program. Since then, today, we have over a thousand partners uh, utilizing Uber Health and our solution. And we have many home care providers who really benefit you know, their day-to-day operations by having us as a solution for them. And this certainly is a growing area of focus and a growing vertical within our overall business is the home care space. When it comes to finding those home care partners, what goes into choosing who you're going to partner with and what are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, so 
But I'd say for, from our standpoint, we want to empower our partner, whether it's a home care agency, a senior living community, to a large hospital system. We want to empower them to help them better serve the people that they care for. So, you know, ultimately, end of the day, our relationship is with the organization. It's on an organizational or enterprise level. It's a business to business relationship where we will work with a home care provider, allow them to access our tools and our solutions within this HIPAA compliant infrastructure to ultimately better serve the people that they care for. So in terms of what we look for, you know, we certainly want good partners. We want partners that can really benefit from our solutions. I wouldn't say we, you know, as long as they're a good standing business, we want to work with them and we want to empower them with our tools. You touched a little bit on this, but can you highlight one or any of your home-based care relationships that you're especially excited about? Yeah. So, you know, there's several, you know, one in particular that I, I love talking about and you know, they've really leaned in with our services is an organization called 123 Home Care. I'm not sure if, if your viewers are, are familiar with them, but 123 Home Care has really leaned in to their partnership with Uber Health. They've actually created a product, a solution that they now call 123 Easy Rides. Um, and they've uh, you know, really embraced the solution that we've empowered them with. They actually have their own website and, and their own platform where their customers can go to and learn more about this. It's actually the website uh, for your viewers and those listening in is 123 Easy Rides. So E-A-S-Y Rides, R-I-D-E-S.com. And if you go there, you can really see how they've leaned in with Uber Health how their customers can request rides through this platform. And really, you know, they embrace all different types of programs that they can uh, leverage this for, whether it's helping people get to other care providers or care facilities, whether it's regional centers, adult daycare centers, if their home care clients need to get to and from. Um, but really, end of the day, at the core of it, you know, 123 Home Care is not a transportation company. That's not their core offering, but they've really seen and embraced how transportation is so important to their customers and their clients. And then another one as an example is 24-Hour Home Care. You know, 24-Hour Home Care is another amazing organization. With you know, I've, I've had a chance to meet many of their uh, team members and spend time with them. And, you know, they've really leaned into providing higher levels of service, higher quality care to their customers, and really leveraging transportation and Uber Health to empower their customers to really be more independent. Uh, to allow them to go where and when they need. And as an operator, not have to worry about all the burdens of transportation. You know, God forbid a caregiver uses their own vehicle, gets into an accident. You know, there's certain insurance that they're required to have. Many of them don't have it. Now they can really lean in and leverage Uber Health to allow their caregivers to provide transportation in an Uber vehicle. Awesome. Now, what about results? Some people doubt that rideshare can really make a meaningful impact on addressing social determinants of health like missed medical appointments. For example, a study that came out of Penn Medicine found that ride-sharing partnerships didn't really change the rate of missed medical appointments. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so you know, I think there's a great benefit that we can provide to talk to your listeners, especially in the home care space. It kind of goes back to an earlier comment I made, you know, transportation is not the core service that home care agencies are providing, but they've all kind of realized it is important. 
and by leveraging Uber Health, they see great benefits there. The other thing too is, is let's not forget about the caregivers. You know, kind of seeing the the inner you know, the inner workings of a home care business through my family. You know, caregivers call all the time. My car broke down. I can't get to my appointment. I got to cancel. What do I do? Well, now they're leveraging this to really help their caregivers be more efficient, be more productive, get to their appointments. What we've also seen is that caregivers are now more productive when they lean in on Uber Health. Caregivers can sit in the backseat, take notes, do phone calls, uh, worry about their job and not worry about where are they going to find the parking spot or how do they get to their uh, client or you know, traffic. Uh, they can actually be more productive now in an Uber vehicle. The other thing is we've seen caregivers can do a much better job. They can sit in the back seat, attend to their client, focus on them. And again, not have to focus on all the headaches that come with vehicle ownership and driving your own car. That's even just on the caregiver side, right? And I don't want to forget that there's a great benefit we can provide to uh, the caregivers themselves. And then on the, on the flip side with the clients, you know, the data has shown And there was just recently a study published by Boston Medical Center, one of our large health system partners. We reduced costs for the hospital and their operations. We reduced no-shows and missed appointments. And we ultimately increased patient satisfaction. All three key benchmarks and key, key data that they were able to publish showing the benefits of Uber Health. You know, certainly there, there, there was that one study that you allude to. You know, not to get into the nitty gritty or, or the specifics of that study. I think it was one small sample, uh, one small data set, a population where it might have not made as as much sense for. But certainly for our elderly, low income, at risk populations, I feel confident that transportation is critical. And what I also feel confident about is healthcare payers and healthcare providers are now looking at how can we provide more around the social determinants. Uh, how can we help people get to a fitness center? How they get to food. Uh, there's a lot of great benefits they can provide with Uber Health being at the core of it. Talk about how these trips are usually paid for. Is it mostly government reimbursement, health organizations paying for these things directly, private payers, or is it something else? Yeah, so I want to be mindful of your those in the home care industry. You know, a lot of it is private pay, especially for non-medical home care, private duty. You know, certainly in that realm, many of our, uh, our partners are paying out of pocket for this. In that world, they're already paying for mileage reimbursement for their caregivers if they're uh, providing transportation. What they found is a lot of times, not only are we more uh, convenient, uh, they don't have to worry about the burdens of insurance uh, that they might have to carry. And even with the mileage reimbursement, we come out more effective from a cost standpoint. The other thing is many of the home care providers see this as a value add service, right? So as I alluded to earlier, if you go to you know, one, two, three easy rides, they really leaned in as transportation as being something that they provide because they've all realized that you know, it, there's just a lot of demand for transportation services for their clients. By using Uber Health, they can actually monetize and help increase their revenue and operations by offering transportation. So what I mean by that is they can offer transportation to their client base they might charge them for the ride plus an upcharge for their operational overhead and any other costs that they might incur by running this program. So they see this as an opportunity to generate revenue for their business operations as well. Now, on the government payer side, on Medicare, Medicaid, non-emergency medical transportation is a covered benefit. Uh, close to $4 billion a year is spent on non-emergency medical transportation, uh, primarily by Medicaid and Medicare. And we see this as a benefit that's only going to grow over time with regulatory changes for rideshare. And certainly, 
many plans incorporating this into their 2020 planning uh, on the Medicare Advantage side and even beyond. Let's talk about Medicare Advantage. Before, you said this was an area of interest for your team. In fact, you told me that you have a dedicated team talking to payers and looking at building those partnerships. Can you give us any updates or further insights into how developing those partnerships is going? Yeah, so there's been a lot of growth and a lot of excitement on the Medicare Advantage side. We haven't publicly announced any direct partnerships there, but you know, stay tuned. I think we're really excited by... MA plans and guidance from CMS really pushing for transportation and being able to cover uh, non-emergency medical transportation. Many MA plans have also guidance now from CMS around grocery and meal delivery, uh, being able to cover that as well. Uber today has the largest meal delivery platform in the world outside of China uh, with Uber Eats. And certainly we think getting a hot, healthy meal to somebody in a food desert is an area that we can really lean in with MA plans, as well as even commercial payers, uh, where there's a lot of appetite there as well. So, you know, I think, you know, certainly stay tuned to our uh, developments there, but there's a lot of uh, excitement and opportunity for us as we continue to grow in the MA space. Going back to non-emergency medical transportation, I know in most states, those regulations were written before ride sharing existed. So what does that mean for you guys over at Uber? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. And the analogy I always give is when Uber started in 2009, really not that long ago, it's pretty amazing now when you think we do 14 million rides a day and and just only started in in, in 2009. You know, the guidelines by CMS really didn't account for a a business model like uh, like Rideshare. And when Rideshare first started, we operated what's called as a TNC, a transportation network company. That was our you know, what government and regulatory bodies would, would deem us as a TNC. There's maybe regulations passed in three to four city states at the time when we first started. Fast forward to uh, 2019, we pretty much have regs passed in almost every single city and state here in the U.S. And the same goes for CMS and, and their guidance around non-emergency medical transportation. When CMS regulators, and certainly people a lot smarter than me, got into a room together and looked at the requirements and the regulations for transportation, no one could have ever dreamed of, of, of a company like Uber. And they were thinking about traditional, whether taxi, livery operators, traditional uh, transportation providers at that time. And there were certain requirements that they built into the regulations that you know, today are, are cumbersome, burdensome on TNCs, on rideshare companies like Uber. And we certainly believe that the standards we do have today sometimes are above and beyond even those standards that were created back when, when CMS first looked at this. So we do see a, a groundswell. You know, I think Arizona really leaned in, and, I, and we absolutely want to commend uh, Arizona and, and Jamie Snyder there and their uh, Department of Health and, and their department there working on the transportation benefits. They really saw the need for ride share. Uh, they really saw the opportunities we bring when it comes to cost savings, when it comes to reduction of waste, fraud, and abuse, when it comes to better member experience, which is ultimately what we're all striving for. And they really leaned in and made some changes where now ride share providers can perform these trips. Florida and Texas as well recently passed regulations allowing for ride share companies to work directly with state Medicaid agencies or MCOs to provide non-emergency medical transportation. And I think it's just a matter of time, as many other states will follow. So we're certainly excited. And this um, you know, certainly opens more opportunity for, for Uber Health. But end of the day, we believe will be much better for 
uh, plan members, you know, Medicaid, Medicare beneficiaries with having rideshare as an option. I know following those regulatory changes in Arizona, Lyft became a certified Medicaid provider there. Is that something that's on Uber's radar as well? So we've been working with the state of Arizona for a long time now. We have a tremendous relationship with them. And you know, we are right there as well. And certainly we are excited to uh, be in a similar place very soon. So all I'd say is, is we're very familiar with the folks in, in Arizona. Uh, healthcare serving our Medicaid, Medicare population is not a, you know, for lack of better words, a winner-take-all market. It's not only one rideshare company that's going to do it. End of the day, it is absolutely in the best interest of Medicare, Medicaid recipients, our most vulnerable populations, to have choice. Uh, and having multiple options is ultimately what's going to drive down cost and what's ultimately going to be the best for our Medicare and Medicaid population. So, you know, we're certainly excited and really giving choice to the states around rideshare is, is only going to benefit everybody. Is there any other legislation that you're especially excited about when it comes to addressing social determinants of health with rideshare? I think I kind of alluded to this earlier, you know, with CMS guidance and you know, hopefully more regs being open to meal delivery and grocery delivery. I think there's some interesting opportunities there. Uh, that you know, only a company like Uber can really have a, an impact at our scale uh, with our Uber Eats solution and our logistics platform that can move a lot more than just people. So I think we're, we're really excited by that. What I'd also say is you know, the regs, specifically what happened in both Florida uh, and Texas, I think is starting to really set a precedent. And what we're seeing is more and more interest from other states to learn from that, uh, learn what, what, what's been happening there and really want to, to certainly follow. So you know, I think you know, specifically in Florida, that's uh, SB 302, uh, which is the, the regulation being passed there. And then HB 1576 uh, in Texas uh, in particular, there's been a lot of excitement that's uh, what's going on there. I want to revisit those doubters again. I've talked to a lot of non-emergency medical transportation companies who say, look, Uber and Lyft aren't really competition for me because our employees have medical training. They're taking patients from door to door and they can provide a more in-depth level of service. What's your response to that? Yeah, I, you only heard some of the doubters three years ago when I first started, you know, I first got into rideshare and, and healthcare you wouldn't think I'd be here today uh, talking to you. So first and foremost, we're not suggesting and we're not going to say that we're going to do 100% of the rides anytime soon. There is a use case, a subset of rides that happen today that we firmly believe Uber Health is the best solution for. And it's primarily ambulatory curb-to-curb rides where traditionally there's other, they're using traditional livery networks, sedan networks, other types of vendors to provide those trips. You know, we really believe that for many of the things that I talked about earlier on cost, reduction of waste, fraud, and abuse, our ETAs and our service levels, you know, we think we can be a great solution for that. But I'd also note that is very unique to Uber is we have something at Uber called Uber Assist. And Uber Assist is a subset of our drivers who go through a third-party training uh, through an organization that we partner with, an independent organization where they get training on how to provide door-to-door transportation. And we certainly see you know, door-to-door transportation is critical for uh, NEMT. And we are excited to be piloting and, and looking to leverage Uber Assist in the future for those segment, set, subset of rides that require door-to-door transportation. 
Now, certainly there are rides that require uh, ambulettes, that require ALS, BLS transfer, so advanced life support, basic life support. You know, certainly things that is not our core competency today. You know, we still need to work with traditional NEMT brokers. We need to work with you know, other players in the industry that exist today and, and have you know, very strong partnerships with them. So certainly to answer your question, yeah, there's always going to be doubters, I believe. You know, never get 100% conversion. You know, I, I think you're always going to have the naysayers. But you know, I think the proof is in the pudding. It's in the data. It's in the partnerships that we have. And certainly on the home care side, we're seeing increased demand and interest in, in the work we're doing. So yeah, I think that is a testament to people really believing in Uber Health, uh, believing in our brand, believing in uh, how we've really built this for healthcare with HIPAA compliance in mind. And we're certainly excited for the future. Speaking of the future, if you had to make a bold prediction for Uber Health, say a year from now, where will it be generally and as it relates to home-based care? Yeah, so I think, you know, the crazy thing is I always have to remind myself, we've, we've only been officially launched for about a year. And just to think how much we've done in this short period of time, I think the future, the possibilities are endless. I think, you know, Uber Health has been very focused here in the U.S. We've just been a U.S.-based organization, but we certainly have the appetite to grow uh, globally. Uh, you know, Uber Inc., uh, Uber, our core business, operates in over 60 countries. So 63 countries in over 700 cities. And what I, I feel confident about is that healthcare is not just a, a problem here in the U.S. It's a global problem providing quality care and serving our most underserved population. So I'm certainly excited for the future growth beyond just the U.S. I also think we really lean into our network and our platform at Uber. I think during people were reading the news during our recent IPO, uh, you heard from Dara, our CEO, talking about this platform essentially being the Amazon for logistics, for uh, multimodalities. I think we can really lean into this platform for health. Uh, so that includes meal delivery, includes things like pharmaceutical delivery and durable medical equipment delivery. You know, just like Amazon first started with books and now does quite a breadth of services and, and, and products. You know, we started certainly as a rides business, but, you know, the future is endless. And that, and that growth and that network we have and all we're learning will always benefit the work we're doing on health. Uh, so, you know, I think, um, you know, Really excited for that future there in the home care vertical specifically. I think it's really how do we also embed those products and services for our home care agencies? They may be interested in looking at things like meal delivery. We've certainly uh, you know, have seen that appetite. And then also really helping solu- provide better solutions for their caregivers and staff. Uh, so I think, you know, home care providers, caregivers are typically hourly employees, overworked, underpaid, and always looking at extra source of the income is really important to them. Are there opportunities to help them become even uh, driver partners uh, on the Uber network? You know, we've seen some interest there from our home care partners and customers. And then also helping them get to work, helping them get to their appointments. Even in, in hospice, for example, you know, working with hospice organizations, helping the caregivers get to the families 24-7. Uh, we think there's a lot we can do there as well. So, you know, hopefully that gives your listeners some insights into what we're thinking about. 
Definitely. I think they'll appreciate that you're acknowledging Uber isn't a healthcare provider itself. That's not what you're trying to do. So even though it's not entirely in your wheelhouse, I want to ask you about value-based care models. What are your thoughts as we're seeing more value-based care models overall moving away from volume to value in the healthcare industry? Yeah, and that's certainly the future. You know, in my conversations with hospital CFOs and healthcare professionals, you know, this payment model of really, you know, financial incentives for providers that are strictly based on performance measures is, is really where we think the future is going. And, you know, a recent conversation I think about is I spoke to a CFO at the health system and, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, I, would, I thought this was crazy or impossible, but he was telling me they are now paying for their patients to go to church. And that's pretty crazy when you think about it. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, that would be uh, you know, absurd. But, you know, I think with value-based care, people and healthcare professionals are realizing that there, there's so much more beyond just going in to see a doctor, more than just going to your PCP, more than just getting to a hospital when you need to. There's a lot more components to that care. And, and these financial incentives around making sure there is a performance approach as opposed to just strictly dollars and cents, you know, I think that's, that's what we're starting to see. And, you know, transportation and our platform at Uber is, is really critical to that. And we think it will only help us get more, uh, more entrenched uh, and, and more interest from healthcare professionals to want to leverage uh, Uber Health. Well, we are definitely excited from what we will see from you guys in the future. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. And thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Disrupt. For more news and insights on the home health, home care, and hospice industries, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletter. You can do that at homehealthcarenews.com. I'm Bailey Bryant, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network out of Chicago, Illinois.